Welcome to another episode of Focus Points, where we ask one simple question. What do we need to know in order to profit more from reading this book of the Bible? Let's look at another book of the Bible together so that we can better know our God and His Word. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Daniel. Daniel is perhaps one of our favorite books of the Bible to get into and to really dig into. It not only has some of the most exciting narrative passages, Daniel's in the lion's den, the fiery furnace, and different narratives like that, but it also contains a lot of prophecies, a lot of end-time accounts of what's going to happen. And it all does that within about 12 chapters. So it's a fairly short book, especially when you compare it to Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. But it is just jam-packed with truth. Truth revealing who God is. Before we get into the theme of the book of Daniel, I just want to talk a little bit about the structure. So Daniel has 12 chapters. And this is going to go somewhere, so just hang with me. The first six chapters are all narratives, right? They are historical accounts of what was happening in the life of Daniel and his friends. The last six chapters, chapters 7 through 12, are all visions and prophecies. Now, it's interesting to note that the first chapter of Daniel, and then starting back again in Daniel 8 and going through the rest of the book, those are all written in Hebrew. And those chapters are also focused on what God is doing in the nation of Israel. But then you have this middle section, Daniel 2 through Daniel 7, which is really talking about how God is dealing with Gentile nations, and that portion is written in Aramaic. Hebrew and Aramaic are closely related, but Aramaic would have been the trade language of the day. So what's the significance of the switching back and forth uh, with language? Well, the language follows the focus. God wanted to make himself known to the other nations. He wanted anyone who picked up the book of Daniel to be able to understand that he was not just the God of Israel. He was the God of the whole world. He is the God of the whole earth. And because of that, the whole earth must know who he is. His control is not limited just to Israel's history, but God controls all human history. And that really is the theme of the book of Daniel. God controls all human history. So what are some of the themes that you can look for as you read through the book? Well, first of all, as you read, consider how God manifests his control. How God manifests control. And he manifests his control in several ways. Through who he is, his character. Through who he uses, his servants. And what he does, which is ultimately he delivers. So let's talk about his character. What do we know about God because we read the book of Daniel? Well, we know he is sovereign. Multiple times throughout this book, he's called names such as the Most High God, the Highest One, Most High, Lord, the King of Heaven, and then the God of Gods and the Lord of Kings. These are all titles that are given to him in Daniel. And what do they make when you put them all together? God is in complete control over all things, everywhere, all the time. What is that? He is sovereign. That's a part of his character. A second part of his character is he's omnipotent. He shows his all-powerfulness by 
controlling nature. You think about what happened early on in Daniel when he granted Daniel and his friends this sharp mind and wisdom and healthy bodies. He was controlling nature so that they were able to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. He controlled the fire in the fiery furnace. He shut the lion's mouths. God's in control of nature. But he's also in control of governments. How so? Well, in the Daniel chapter 1, multiple times in that chapter, it talks about how God gave Israel to Babylon. Daniel does not say that Babylon conquered Israel. Daniel says that God gave Israel to Babylon. God is in control of these things. God's overruling death sentences, like in the uh, fiery furnace. God is thwarting the Antichrist and Antiochus's plans in the future, uh, as far as Daniel's perspective was. But God is controlling nature. He's controlling people. He is omnipotent. This is who he is. And a third character of God is that he is all-knowing. He is omniscient. God's power interacts with his knowledge to give him this control over history. And he reveals the future in these visions to Daniel. He speaks of the Messiah, the work and downfall of the Antichrist, the coming kingdom of God, even the resurrection from the dead. But God's just not only concerned about that distant future, but God also gives very personal uh, revelations to men like Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar about what would happen in the immediate future. But God, as he's doing this, he's showing that he is omniscient. So God manifests his control, and we see that, first of all, by his character. He's sovereign, omnipotent, and omniscient. We see it, second of all, by his servants that he's using. Who, are, who is he using to do his will? Well, he's using angels. And who can command angels but only the God of heaven? Angel appears in chapter 3, verse 28, and also in chapter 6, verse 22. But uh, other, other times, angels are hinted at when, things, when they're called the watcher in chapter 4, verse 13, or the holy one in chapter 4, verse 10. Daniel even tells us the names of two of the angels, Gabriel and Michael, and God is using these angels to communicate messages, to interpret revelation, protect men, and ultimately just to serve him. And so God is showing his control by the types of servants that he is sending. And then the greatest servant that he has in the book of Daniel, no, it's not Daniel, it's actually his Messiah. The Messiah was the one who the stone cut without hands, the, from a stone cut without hands from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He's the son of man in chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, who will receive the kingdom from the ancient of days. He will, be, he will face opposition. He'll be cut off. But ultimately, in the end, he will defeat the Antichrist. And so Daniel, through the revelation that God is giving him, he presents the Messiah as an instrument or a servant in God's hands as God controls the course of history. So we see God's manifesting his control. We see that in his character. We see that in his servants. We also see that in how he delivers his people. First of all, God delivers his obedient servant. God's deliverance is very personal. You read through those first six chapters of Daniel, and you're going to see four examples of God delivering the individual. God delivers his servants when they chose not to defile themselves. God delivers his servants from death sentence by giving Daniel the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. God preserves his servants in the fire. God saves Daniel from the death of the lion's den. And these examples in the first half of Daniel ultimately encourage hope in the promises that are going to occur in the second half of Daniel. God manifests his control 
by delivering by delivering his obedient servant. But God is also showing his control by delivering his chosen people. In chapter 1, verse 2, God gave his people over to the Babylonians as judgment for their sins. But later, Daniel received promises of two future deliverance when God will not give his people over. One of those has already been fulfilled. Uh, that was the promise of defeating Antiochus IV, that's chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. But the second deliverance will be from the Antichrist. And even though the Antichrist is going to possess this great power and destroy many, he will meet his end and God's people will be saved. What does this show? God delivers. And God's deliverance is just a manifestation of his control. Our theme of the book, God is in control of all human history. And we see that through his character, through his servants, and through his deliverance. But a second big theme that you can uh, kind of trace throughout the book is man's response to God's control. So we see that God is manifesting his control. We see that he is in control of all things. What does that do for me, or what should that do for me? Well, Daniel presents two contrasting responses to God's control. There is humble prayer, and there is pride. And hint, one of those is right, one of those is wrong. So what about humble prayer? Well, humility expressed through prayer is the correct response to God's control. Daniel sought out God's mercies in chapter 2, verse 18 and following. He prayed to God even though it was illegal in chapter 6. He confessed Israel's rebellion and sought God's compassion and steadfast love in chapter 9, verse 9 and 18. His use of the covenant name of God, that Yahweh, it shows an intimate relationship between God and his people. And Daniel knew that God was responsible for Israel's captivity, chapter 9, verse 7. But he also knew that God had the power to restore them, chapter 9, verses 17 through 19. And in all of these situations, his understanding of God's control ultimately moved him to pray to the God of heaven, the one who's the God of God and the Lord of kings. So that is our appropriate response to the book of Daniel and how Daniel's presenting God's control. But Daniel also talks about that inappropriate response, which is pride. God bestows power on kings. We understand that. And Nebuchadnezzar knew that. But yet Nebuchadnezzar made an idol for himself, chapter 3, and took credit for his power and victories, chapter 4. Belshazzar, Darius, Alexander the Great, the King of the South in chapter 11, verse 12, and the Antichrist, chapter 11, verse 36, they all have or will exalt themselves and try to fight against God's control. But as a result of all of their pride, God is going to bring them to ruin or has already brought them to ruin. And so we have a choice. God is in control of all human history. That is either going to cause us to run to him and to trust him and to humbly pray, or we in our pride are going to try to do things in our own time, in our own way, to please ourselves. One of those brings God's deliverance. One of those brings God's judgment. So Daniel's central theme of God's control over all human history it continues into the New Testament when Revelation chapter 19 and 20 predicts the full expression of God's control of history when he has the complete and the final victory over his enemies. We know that in the end, every knee will bow to God's Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
But in light of these past demonstrations of his control over history, the believer, us, we must confidently expect him to fulfill all of his promises and ultimately to turn to him in humble prayer. So as you read through the book of Daniel this year, ask yourself, how is this passage showing God's control? And then ask yourself, how must I be responding to God's control today? And may the Lord bless us as we read through the book of Daniel this year.